Welcome back to Dylan Friends, first episode of 2022, so excited, so pumped, so happy to be back into things. Yeah, just getting some very, very, very special guests on this year, which we're super excited about, and um, yeah, I have so much planned, so bit's been going on. If you haven't heard last episode, um, I got married in early in the year, um, been on holidays, did a really small wedding with, with the Tofu Princess, so happy. Um, with that and, and she absolutely loved the day so yeah it was really good what else has been happening we've been doing plenty organizing dylan friends list cloggers and producer you got a few new podcasts going on there too which has been really really exciting but you'll hear more about that in the coming weeks in these bonus episodes and gonna try and make them a bit more of a staple going forward for sure secondly massive new news on spotify too if you love the episode from now on if you do if you don't that's totally fine but if you do love it you can now leave a review on spotify which helps the show so much um so if you could you know please do that that'd be absolutely huge i'd give you a big kiss on the lips if i could um get a hold of you so thank you so much for that but more importantly on to our first guest of the year she's no stranger to the show emma murray from high performance mindfulness now i stuffed that up about three times it's so embarrassing i kept calling it health performance mindfulness and I know her business, but I don't know what it was. Very rusty being the first episode back. So apologies for that. But Emma was just incredible as always. Um, we sort of recapped our last episode that we, we spoke about, which was early in 2020. If you haven't heard that one, you don't need to listen to it before listening to this one. But yeah, definitely go back and listen to that if you haven't after this number 81. So we spoke about, yeah, everything that has happened since since then. And her career has just taken off in, in so many different um, aspects. So it was really exciting to have a chat to her now, what she's up to. Obviously, she's worked with Richmond and so many Olympic athletes on their health and mindfulness to get themselves to the top level. So I think she's honestly one of the one of the best coaches in this field in the world. Everyone loves her. She's working with so many world-class athletes, which you'll find out about today. But one of the biggest things as well that's sort of come out now is how much you know it's changed from just athletes wanting to get better to just all of us wanting to get better. And um, I think that's like really prevalent from... The last episode was just how much you know everyone in every field is just keen to just better themselves and, and try and I suppose be the best version of themselves, which sounds a bit weird, but it it is definitely true. We're all just trying to navigate the world a little bit better. So she does this. We speak about resetting the new year. I don't know about you guys, but I seriously did not feel refreshed going into this year, and we talk about it going forward and, and how we can best focus on you know living crazy lives, but also just finding little bits of of normality and little bits of trying to sort of level ourselves throughout it because it's just impossible to try and have these guru type lives while it's so hectic and you're trying to hustle and grind throughout it all so anyway enough chit chat from me but so excited for this episode with um emma she gives so many tips and tricks uh, and just incredible insight into it all um thanks so much for tuning in uh illy 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 let's go my name is deborah dylan's mum welcome to the dylan friends podcast many ways i've been waiting my whole life for this moment Tears. 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 Strength. I'm like, I run. She's like, yeah. everyone runs. I'm like, but does everyone go to the yeah. Olympics? They're sitting there meditating, going, oh my God, I think I'm meditating. How this is I'm meditating? It's like, they had a Wu Tang call. I was like, yo, Dylan, thanks for getting us in. Just love it's it. knuckle puck time. Yeah. It's like, it's like <laughs> Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review. Emma, you got a dog? We did. We got a puppy in January. Uh, Reggie. I, can I guess what it is? I haven't seen oh, it. Oh, okay. I know what it is. Yes. 100%. Okay. It's a, like, tan, fluffy dog. Oh, it's tan? Yeah. There is not one bit of fluff. It's a Hungarian... Visla. Yeah. I did not pick that. Really? That is an elite dog. I can't dog. believe you think I'm a fluffy dog person. <laughs> That was such what a, that, that was actually so rude. Yeah. Well, oh no. Now you're being rude to all the yeah. yeah I know. Fluffy dogs because there's a lot. No. Of them. I have a skill. <laughs> I have a skill with dogs, and it's like 
my one small skill I have. Well, that wasn't great that, then. No, I've, I've ruined it already, but I can tell any dog breed. Like, as in, I can go up to any dog at a park. Like, I've started that many conversations. Oh, right. and I go, your dog's this. They go, no, it's this. I go, that's what you think it is. But it's, it's that and it's got a bit of this in it. It's a, it's a breed. Really? Yeah. That's an impressive um, skill. I'm wrapped that you've got a visa though. Thank I know you. that how crazy they are they're as puppies. Like they're pretty energetic. So this one was Beautiful. picked um, as a companion dog for Will. Mm-hmm. And so it was picked by the breeder because it's very docile. Now I know what that means, but for, <laughs> for everyone else that doesn't know what that means. Calm. Calm. Like, yeah. So Will did not want a girly dog. Yeah, yeah. So that's rude too, isn't it? Well, yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's terrible. I know what you mean. He didn't want a... He um, wanted a 20-year-old bloke dog. Yeah. Yep. And he also, his hand function is poor, so he didn't want to be covered in hair and not be able to get it off him so the Vishalas don't shed a lot. Beautiful. And they have no scent. Is that true? Like, they have no, like, they smell? They don't smell like Yeah, dog. they don't smell. They're, it, they're beautiful dogs. Yeah. But this morning, so I, had a, I got a flat tyre. Going to yoga this morning. Um, do you like how I got? Oh, that? I love I've been that. To yoga I'm say, this that morning. Fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> I've yeah. been to yoga this morning, Dill. Oh, I haven't. I to be honest, um, I need some. I'm very bad at yoga, but <laughs> I've been flat tire. My husband goes down to change the tire because I've got to get here to see you. I'm with the dog at home now. We're staying temporarily in a in an apartment, and um, so. My husband's like, I'm in the car park. So I'm like, I'm going to go down to the car park. He'll drive me back to my car. The puppy gets in the lift with me. I'm like, that's cool. I'll just, the dog can come with me. This dog's well-trained, docile sort of. But he had no collar and lead on. That's okay. We're just going down to the basement. But then the doors open at level one oh, no. because someone's pressed the button. I didn't plan for that. And here's this guy standing with a puppy. So it is like WrestleMania in the corridor of this apartment, but Reggie's got no collar or lead on, so I can't grab him. So it is like full on. We finally get them apart. I get back in the lift, but Reggie's all riled up from the puppy wrestle. And so as the lift doors are closing, he sees a cleaner with one of those string mops, and he's never seen a string mop before because I don't mop a lot. And um, he bolts out. In back into the corridor as the doors are shutting. So I'm in the lift with the door shutting. The dog is out chasing them up with the, the cleaner. So I stop, you know, I get out, chase the dog. This happened like three times. This it is, took me ten minutes to get from our apartment into the car park. If you're anything like me as well, it's like a dog owner. I, I know some people are like this, some people are very chilled with dogs, but my dog is like my life. So if I am separated from her, like if she's near a road, I'm sort of like walking in between cars. Like I don't even let her off the lead. Like that's how much oh, I'm cautious. Right. So in that situation. You want to be a helicopter parent. Oh, I'm a helicopter dog dad. Yeah, 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 it's, yeah. it's bad. No, but, I'm not. You know, yeah, Reggie's cool. He's docile. Yeah. Oh, he's anyway. docile. He doesn't do anything wrong. That's why I'm late this morning because yeah. I spent hey, all morning chasing the dog. Is late, just as thing as... But I've been to yoga, so it's all good. Yeah, yeah, and you're feeling calm and collected. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Hey, it is so, so, so good to have you back. Um, in all seriousness, it's it's an honour, it's a pleasure. We did an episode, which everyone would have heard that, that loves the show last year, and I will say it was a game changer, okay? It was a game changer for for me personally, just to, just to have you in, in 
my life and I know I'm getting deep already but just to hear you and, and to you know what you did for me that day just like was awesome and it's, it's had a long lasting effect but not just myself like the audience and the response from that episode um, was second to none like it's been huge and I think you've obviously built your own business with, with health um, perform, performance mindfulness okay can we stop here no no because no, I'm still going I'm this. still no no I need to say this because I love how you love my work, but you call it health performance mindfulness. You've called it that like four, on four different episodes. Oh, no. Yet when we spoke before we came on air, you called it high performance mindfulness, which is its right name, like several times. So I thought, I thought oh, you were stopping. It. I thought you were stopping me to like tell me I'm the best, but it was oh, actually. No, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I thought, perform- oh, he's got it now, so I don't need to correct him. <laughs> Okay, I'm sorry. High performance mindfulness. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I get that wrong because you're right. I do get that right. Done incredible things. Most loved episode. I think it came fifth in the BNF. Which I think it was six. Six. But can I tell you, I have been involved with a few AFL premierships. You know, some Olympic gold medals, which my children could not give two hoots about. But then they found out that I made the top ten of Dylan Friends, and they were. Um, they posted on Instagram. <laughs> they, you know, like introduced me as a top ten in Dylan friends to people. So um, huge. We'll be yeah. back, and that's why I thought there's no better way to start the year um, with everything to get you back on. Firstly, but also this time of the year, normally you've done this two years in a row with high performance mindfulness, um, and you sort of put out some some tips and and whatnot to get started on the year and. It's been big and, and I think that's something we definitely want to touch on today um, later in the episode because yeah. uh, things have probably changed for both of us this year in, in the way we're feeling. But first, what's been um, happening for you? Because since we chatted last, mm. your life has gone even crazier than, than ever with, with everything that's, you know, working, lifestyle, everything. What's, what's yeah. news? I think for everyone, 2021 was a pretty hectic year. Um, And I mean that in that if you were just isolated and lost your job, that's hectic. Mine was hectic in that I, last time we spoke, I had, didn't really have a business or a product and now I've gone and built an online product for corporate and um, sport and, and education. But I think for me, 2021, by the end of 2021, it absolutely buried me. Mm. I think it's, I'd like to start there because I think a lot of people felt that. I fell into this trap starting probably early November, even late October. And in traditional mindfulness, we call it a game of when I, then I'll. So when I, then I'll, you know, when I renovate my house, then I'll be really happy. You know, when I get on that holiday uh, holiday in Hawaii, then everything's going to be amazing. And um, I knew that I was doing it, but this pre-season for the AFL was the first season in like six years that I said, I'm going to have a break. I'm not going to do a pre-season. So I dropped into this, when I have January off, I'm going to... I had me getting getting fit, getting rested, reading books, you know, learning new tools in meditation. Um, I also had a whole list of self-care things that I was going to do. I was going to get that feeling that I was supposed to get back in August and do this and do that. So I went hardcore when I then I'll um, and it really tripped me up big time. So I Christmas Day the filling I was supposed to get in August that I was going to do after uh, in, in my magical January that was going to fix everything. Um, 
I broke my tooth and I spent my first two weeks in January in emergency dentals with root canals and different procedures and antibiotics and everything else. And then the entire family got COVID and then the entire family got through COVID and then my parents got COVID up north. So my pre-season that was off, that was going to fix everything, I just got buried and I had wasted you know, the back end of 2021, holding my hopes up that everything was going to be magical because the date calendar changed and I had a few weeks of no work. And I think I want to say that because I think so many people have been trapped in that, you know, when 2022 comes, when I have that break over summer and we've come back and we're now in February 2022. And if you're like me, it's like, hang on, I have, I'm not, I didn't get that break. I didn't get fit. I didn't, um, you know, tick off all these things. And so now what? And and I think that's really important that we have the, the conversation about, well, what the hell do we do then? Did you get caught in it when I then are? Uh, yes, that's probably like my life motto um, yeah. at the moment. I, I think I couldn't agree more. And I didn't even notice that was a thing like I knew it was a thing but I didn't even notice that I was in it until you know we spoke early a few weeks ago and and what we're going to sort of catch up and talk about and I was like fucking hell like I finished the year I was like all right January I'm having the whole January off Mm. I've come come back in recording podcasts and I'm like do I even have a break like I'm so tired still like I'm here I'm ready I'm pumped but I'm still just not in a mode I'm probably physically in the worst condition I've ever been which is bad because you know, I, I do a lot of reflection on like when I, I, my biggest problem is I know when I'm not at my best and it's three things. It's like physically I have to be active because mm-hmm. then I have mental clarity and then I'm better at work and less stressed. So I spend more time with my friends and family yeah. and that's like my, right, like that's yeah. my thing. So I know I'm not doing that Yeah. and I just can't get back to doing it because I'm just still so tired from like what we've been going through. Yeah, so I think this is where everyone is at and, you know, it's understanding the stress cycle that we have been stuck in and it's really important that we understand that, you know, when my son was injured, you know, quadriplegia, spinal cord injury, that's a massive stress. That, like, turns your life upside down. But that is not the only source of stress, massive traumas. We have these things called, well, I call them, like, minor stresses. So you wake up, you press snooze when you had set the intention not to. So already it's a stress of, like, oh, you know, I'm shit. <laughs> and so, and then it's like, well, for me, a flat tyre or the dog does this or... You know, the kids does that. Not a massive stress, but it's another minor stress that now has been layered on top of a previous minor stress. And these minor stresses are building. And then we sit down to look at our emails and we open them up and there's like 10 emails that have come magically overnight. And we're completely overwhelmed because by now these minor stresses feel like a big stress. And we've lost the ability to break that stress cycle. So what happens is the emotional state that we're in when we open those emails, it's an emotional state of stress, not because it's just the email stressing us. Mm. It's the kid, it's the pressing snooze, we know we're not fit, it's this, it's that, it's the traffic. We now have this emotional state that we attach to the emails of like, 
fuck, my job is so stressful. I can't do it. So every time we open the emails, we procrastinate. We, you know, get that feeling in our body and, and it feels like Monday morning or a Sunday night every single day. And so it's understanding that when that stress cycle gets triggered, that we can't just hope and wish and pray that will magically disappear. That because, and I can't believe I fell into it. Oh, just because it's January, mm. it's like that stress cycle ends. No, it doesn't. We actually have to deliberately put in place things to break that stress cycle, which we can go through. Um, but the stress cycle we have all been under. Now, we used to call burnout, which is a chronic stress condition, it's different to anxiety and depression. We used to associate it with like first responders, you know, firemen, um, carers, all of these people in these intense roles that are constantly exposed to stress. But we've lived through a pandemic and still in a pandemic and the fear and the doubt and the constant news stream of people dying and vaccination, people don't want it and mandates and this and that. We have all been exposed to chronic stress now for, you know, two going on three years. And prior to that, we we're already in a pretty hypervigilant stress stage. And so we now feel like you and I, like we're cooked. And then are you across 75 heart? Have you been, are you across that that's on the internet? 75 hard. Yeah. No. no. So then things like 75 hard come out and a lot of your listeners will know Will and his mates are deciding to do 75 hard. And it's like for 75 days you have to, it's like drink four litres of water, read 10 pages of a personal development book, have an indoor workout and outdoor workout, no sugar, no carbs. Like you do this thing for 75 days days sounds like you know one of will's mates like i'm gonna have to learn to read to do it and um another one's like it's the sugar thing that gets me i don't know what sugar's in i said what do you eat for breakfast a bowl of cocoa pops i'm like well okay let's start with that he goes what about soft drink how many liters of that do you drink a day about four okay this is gonna be hard for you so things like 75 hard come out and we think well i'm feeling shit I'm feeling burnt out. I need something. I, I'm feeling big feelings here, big stress, big exhaustion. So I need a big solution. So that's going to fix me. And day three of 75 hard and we give up. Well, now we're like... I feel even worse. I feel even worse. Yeah. And I'm setting myself up for fail. So we really need to understand that these stress cycles, if I'm not breaking them multiple times a day and resetting and turning that stress off multiple times a day when I sit on my couch and watch Netflix that night I'm still in the stress cycle that does not turn it off I need to learn how to turn it off. okay I have a million questions maybe let's go with while we're on that topic of turning that off because mm-hmm. exactly what you said then of going home like after a big day and you know I'm loving what I'm doing it's but it is super stressful what everyone does you can still love it and be stressed I sit at home and I am trying to like switch off watching Netflix, but still thinking about like seven emails in the back of my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's something that everyone's doing because I'm, I still sit at home and I'm getting six emails from people I work with and I'm like, yeah. fuck, well, you guys need to switch off as well. Let's try and just calm this down. Yeah. I think we need to first go, go like we need to throw the notion out that um, we are going to get work-life balance. Like I think 2022 for me, I want to get really loud and really firm to whoever's going to listen to me <laughs> that I feel like we're getting robbed a bit by this message of like slow down, get life balance. You know, it, of course, yes, 
but I have bills to pay and I have four children and a puppy and I have places I need to be and I have things I need to do. And spinal cord injury, it doesn't actually take a day off. You know, I don't get to just slow down. I feel like the people who are preaching slow down to us get better work-life balance. Work in something you're passionate about and you'll never work a day in your life. Like, wouldn't that be lovely if we all could do that? I feel like the people that preach that have ground, you know, they've done the grind, they've done the hard work, they've now set themselves up in a position where they can preach to others and they're preaching a message that's making us feel like shit because we can't get it done. So I want people to know that this year is going to be crazy. It's going to be chaotic. There's going to be a lot of fear and doubt and stress and we live in a busy world. So let's find ways amongst that to break the stress cycle so that we start to feel like we are more in control. And when we feel more in control, then it frees up enough space where we can go, okay, well, maybe I'm not passionate about my job in whatever I'm doing. Rather than putting pressure on myself that I should be making a living out of my photography habit and so now I'm just stressed all the time, well, how about we get you in your job breaking that stress cycle which is coming from that story of I hate my job I don't want to be here this is you know terrible and I'm never gonna be able to do what I want and life's no good let's get that story under control and get you breaking that story multiple times a day so that when you step back out into the world now those breaks are really fulfilling and they feel great and you get recharged and you feel alive let's be realistic about where we are and start giving people tools that fit in with this busy, hectic, crazy life we're in. I love that because it will personally for me is so relevant with with how my brain functions. I feel like I really struggle to go on holidays and whatnot when I'm not hmm. working because if I'm not working and doing feeling productive, I can't relax. Yeah, because you feel guilty. We feel we're not guilty. It's just, it's just probably something where when you know you've got things to do. How can you just go and just chill out? Like it's it's yeah. hard to, to find that relaxment. So where remember we're wired like a caveman. We are wired to be hypervigilant to stay alive. So the caveman's going through his day, you know, danger, danger, danger. Is there a tiger over there? Rustle in the bush, could be a snake. So he's in this state of hypervigilance. And, you know, if there is a tiger behind a bush and a snake over there and a sniper behind the tree, the caveman, I'm not sure that there were snipers in caveman era, but... I think there was, yeah. (laughs) There was, yeah, from what I've heard. And he is not going to just go, well, it's my time off, so I'm just going to sit down and put my feet up and actually relax here. He is wired to stay alive. So he's staying hypervigilant. He's staying on. So you go on holidays and just because you are on a holiday does not mean that hypervigilant stress response in the survival part of your mind and and, and body is like, oh, he's on a holiday. Oh, I'll just turn off now. Mm. You have to turn it off so that that holiday now becomes recharging for you. I like that. But I was when, when you say that as well, I suppose it comes back to that point in saying with those people that would preach like going, do something you love, work a day, mm. you know, take break and you shouldn't be stressed. It's like at the end of the day, sometimes when you are building a business or you are working hard, you actually just need to be stressed like a bit of the time. Like yeah. stress isn't a bad thing. Like I'm, I'm more asking the question there, is being stressed 
a bad thing because I feel like sometimes when I'm stressed that gets the best out of it but it's just when it gets too far is when it really impacts me. Yeah, yeah. So again, if we talk about the caveman, if there is a threat there, so that's what creates a stress response, he's locking in. He's like, I'm focused on that threat and I'm doing everything I need to do to survive. So that when that stress response kicks in, it it can make us very laser focused. So that's why we want an athlete before they go out to compete to have a level of adrenaline going. So I would always with an athlete who is not aroused enough with enough of that fight going through him, you will make him go and wrestle and punch. And so his survival part of his mind and body is like game on and and it laser focuses them. But if we get too stressed then it puts our body into like a freeze mode or a shutdown mode so that's why if an athlete's over the top we want to calm them down but the biggest thing that we need to learn like you and me we're not athletes we're not walking into a stadium of a hundred thousand people what we need to learn is the caveman would have a tiger and he would fight the tiger he would either kill that tiger he would either get away from that tiger um, or, the, or the tiger would kill him. But it would end some way. So if the, if the caveman gets away and he goes back to his cave, he rests, he recovers, ready to go again. We fight tigers all day. You're lying in bed at night. I bet last night you were thinking about today's mm. interview, right? Now, you go, I'm just thinking about the interview. Your mind is wired to go, well, don't say that. Make sure you've got this. You get better the not, business name. You right. better not get the business name. You better yeah. not say help for help. Yeah. For, I don't know what you call I'm not even going to repeat it. <laughs> you better get a basic business name, Someone's right? Someone's getting a good plug out there. I don't know who that is. Anyway. So we don't get time out from that stress response. Now, if an alarm is going and we never turn it off, after a while the smoke alarm's going to run out of batteries, right? And that's when we get sick. That's when we can't get out of bed. That's when probably for you and I our January went pear-shaped because we have not stopped. And so our body is like, well, guess what? I'm going to give you a root canal. I'm going to give you COVID. I'm going to give you long COVID. I'm going to, you know, if you're not going to give me a break, I'm going to shut down. I I do think that universe thing is for sure. Like it does send you a message, doesn't it? Oprah always says, I told you I love love Oprah. Oprah. (laughs) Yeah. Oprah will say the universe will whisper at you. And if you're not... It hasn't whispered, it's head-butted me. Well, if you're not listening to the whispers, it will go louder. And if you're not listening, she'll say it will send you a lightning bolt. And I'm like, in January, I could have had like a $100 filling in August. Yeah. And now I've got, you know, I'm potentially going to lose my tooth and uh, thousands and thousands of later. I'm like, that is a universal lightning bolt. Remiss of me not to do this because I need these blockers myself. But we've talked a lot about these stress breakers. Yeah, in okay. This. Is there anything that you've found that's been beneficial for you personally to do yeah. this? Like what, what would you give an athlete um, – in this space that say we're both in at the moment and, yep. and I'm sure a lot of people are in, what would you say are some yep. red hot rippers? Well, I mean, what it looks like for an athlete, right, mm-hmm. is that your player, let's say AFL, um, he misses a ground ball in the first minute of the game. Have you ever done that? Yes, multiple times. And then what do you say to yourself? Oh, I'm shit. Yeah, I'm game. shit. Fuck this game. Uh, yeah. It's done. This is going to be yep. a bad game. Yep. I'm, not, I'm not on today. So straight away the stress cycle has kicked in and that like survival mechanism is like get me out of here. Like I've got to get out of here. This is bad. So then they miss a ground ball and they're stressed and then the ball comes to them and they, you know, maybe drop 
the the mark. Now they're even more stressed. Then I bet you've done this before. Like they make a wrong kick. I have had that many players say by a certain part in the game, I'm actually running away so I don't get the ball. Oh, I I can remember like last quarters when it was like tight, just going, I better get off the ground just in case I fuck up. Like yeah, and yeah, not yeah. because I didn't want the black. Like, I wanted to be the guy that kicked the winning goal, but I was like, oh. It's probably just better me just leaving this situation. Yeah, yeah. Like that's where your mind goes to in that like in that situation. Yeah. I was so scared and paranoid. But I don't think us watching realise there's guys out there who are literally trying not to get the ball right now. They're running running patterns to not get the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that moment, you know, it's like the first thing I say to a, an athlete is that you can't lose your skill. It doesn't go missing. It doesn't disappear some, you know, midway through a game. So we have to recognise that we've gone into that stress response and that stress response is not designed to make us good at football or good at our jobs. It's designed to keep us alive. So that is like, hey, run away from the ball right now because your biggest threat is fucking up in front of all these people. So run away from the ball right now. And so... For an athlete, they have to turn off that stress response just like we do. You know, they they wouldn't wait till Netflix at night to chill out. They've got to get on top of it right there and we do in our day as well. And we have to look at it like really small things. Imagine the stress cycle has kicked in, like then an alarm's gone off and I just have to turn it off. So there's how an athlete would do it is maybe when they come to the bench you know taking some time when you guys go to the bench do you love how i say you guys like you are still an afl thank you player. yeah thank you i like yeah, it yeah it brings back good memories <laughs> but i relate this and this is i'm sure what everyone does is everyone relates these topics to their own life yeah like absolutely. the bench is something else for, for yeah, someone yeah. and that's why but yeah. like a player would come to the bench and they'd get straight on to the coach the coach you know is speaking to them probably in very, mm-hmm. you know, firm, loud words. Not, not docile. <laughs> not docile. <laughs> and that is triggering that stress response more. So it's like, okay, and then they, you know, they're sitting on the bench so worked up. It's like, okay, stop, remove yourself from the game, put your feet on the flat on the floor and just take a moment to take really long, deep breaths all the way down to your feet. I, I talk about the caveman a lot because I want people to think of it and really understand it. If a caveman, if the tiger ran away, the first thing a caveman would do, take a big sigh, like, fuck, that was close. Mm. So it's like actually breathe so you move your shoulders, your diaphragm, everything. So imagine before every podcast you did, you just took like a minute, put your feet on the floor, And take some breaths where I'm actually taking my shoulders down and away from my ears. I'm moving my diaphragm and I'm just feeling that breath coming in and sending a message to my mind, hey, danger's gone away, everything is good. And, you know, that that is something really simple. I worked with Kate Campbell this year in the Olympics. You know what? AFL players' pressure is nothing compared to an Olympian. And then... I Once. shouldn't, that's offensive, no, well, isn't no, it, it? But it isn't, it's like, it is I have one shot in, in four, four years. years. Yeah. For Kate, it was the Olympic trials that were so hectic. The top five swimmers in the world were in that race and they only take two. I remember like high school swimming carnivals mm. and they're the most nervous day on the calendar. Like imagine, so I was just thinking in my head then, didn't realise I was actually talking. Yeah. Keep going. Well, so you have to come in the top 
two to make an Olympics. Wow. You've been training for this, you know, for many, many years, every moment of your life measured, and you're up against the top five people in the world. And so the Olympic trials for Kate were really, really stressful. And again, we think um, – have you had Kate on yet? I, I, I'd love to get Kate okay. on. We've reached out. I think she's very busy, but we'll, we'll de- now that we're friends. We'll, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because Kate – you know, Kate has done a lot of mental work, but she, what she articulates so well is that it's the simple things that turn off that stress. So what we had Kate do was when she walked into the pool deck, it was actually just um, stop and what can I see? What can I hear? What can I feel? Now, my mind can't be in stories of like, what if I lose the Olympic trials and be in a state of, I can see a plant, I can see dill, I can feel my feet on the floor, I can feel my breath. It's like I can't be in two places at once. So she had to have all of these little routines that were like turning the stress off, turning the stress off. So she would do that as soon as she walked into the pool deck. We can just take time out from our desk to look out the window, rest our eyes, take a few breaths. What can I see? What can I feel? It only has to be a minute or two minutes. We stop the stress cycle. Stress cycle is going to kick in a few minutes later, but we just have a break. Our nervous system can't be in fight and flight and rest and digest at the same time. That's a really important thing to understand. So every time I break it throughout the day, I'm getting these snapshots of resting, recharging, healing. I don't have to rest and recharge and heal for eight hours. That's great if I can do that overnight. But it's like just punctuate our day. So an athlete is trying to punctuate it to keep control of it. Um, so then what Kate would do is um, in the marshalling area, she, a lot of my athletes would listen to um, a visualisation that I'm guiding her through. But what I love about Kate's story is the song I Am Woman. Do you know that song? I Am Woman, Hear Me Roar. Oh, oh Katy Perry. Katy Perry. Oh, what am I thinking of? <laughs> I'm a lion. I think that's. What I'm <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck my life! Uh, it's like a iconic I song from like the 60s. That, but I'm uh, sure Katy Perry sung it. At I some keep thinking. Stage. No, I, I. When you said "Hear Me Roar," I, I thought of "Roar" by Katy Perry. Um, anyway. just, I think I should just go home. <laughs> anyway. we'll, we'll, I'll listen to the song. I'm sure I know it. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, I shouldn't have asked that. I just thought, of course he knows that song. Helen Reddy. Helen Reddy. I am a woman. Yeah. No. That's not even (laughs) remotely close to the tune. Anyhow, back to the story. Those lyrics really resonated with Kate. And so as she's listening to them, her mind that wants to tell her a story of this is bad, you're in danger, you know, you could lose here. She's getting lyrics saying, you know, I'm woman, I'm strong, I'm powerful, I can, you know, I can do what I, I need to do here. And so that's managing that stress cycle. Rather than just giving yourself over to it, I'm tired, I'm exhausted, this is a big race, I can't do this. You know, that's what we do. We drop into the stress cycle and we just get worse and worse and worse. So there's all these tiny little yeah. things. Touch, a hug, yeah. animal, hug your animal, kids, um, you know, partner. That is a great way to break a stress cycle. Cold water, the whole 
getting in cold water thing. Now, that's super hard. I'm not a great lover of cold water, but actually a warm bath as well is a really good way to break the stress cycle. Humming. What humming does is it sends a it, – it, like, vibrates our vagus nerve. The vagus nerve is going from your mind to your body and it is triggering the stress response. Sing will do a similar thing, humming, singing. So all of these little things um, – I took Reggie for a walk the other day and made the family – lie down on their backs and watch the clouds mm. and before we know it one kid wouldn't do it but the, the actually both kids wouldn't do it i want to sound like one of those mothers you know yeah. and i got my children on the ground and we're all grounded and but both kids refused to do it but nick and i did it <laughs> and um watch the clouds and you instantly feel yourself drop so all of these little things but we don't you and I are going we got trapped into that for me to break this stress cycle I need to be fit I need to run go to the gym I need to have green smoothies I need to get up at five o'clock I need to you know find a job I'm passionate about I need to you know blah 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 with that firstly that one with the the clouds is probably one of the biggest ones that i picked up from our last chat about looking out the window yeah that's one of my favorites still yeah, yeah. so like just trying cool, to find it? things moving what's yeah. going staring the rain the wind yeah. everything beautiful Great. when you're talking about the stress cycles as well um and i'm this is a question but i'm assuming no matter how good you get it they're breaking the cycle stress is always going to come so it's it's, it's inevitable yeah. it's always coming well, we, that's how we stay alive exactly if we didn't have stress but we, the better you get at identifying it yes something triggers it yes so something could trigger it like the flat tire this morning the emails you know the kids leaving the kitchen dirty the exam at school the teacher that you don't like all of these things can trigger that stress response and that is simply your mind going this is bad this is dangerous now you are going to be triggered to different things to me because of our life experiences you know i don't think having a conversation with an AFL coach is stressful. Mm. You do because your trigger is like, this is bad, last time that happened, you got delisted. Yeah, so your trigger... Twice. Yeah, twice. twice. Mm. So I just... So we're all going to have different things that trigger our stress. That is why we should never just turn to someone and say, oh, don't worry about that. Like, why would you worry about what people thought about that? Because my experience tells me this is bad and this is dangerous. So something triggers that stress response. But where you're right is the quicker you can identify it, you have to know what stress looks like for you. Because some people will go very, very quiet in stress and what it looks like is them not asking questions in a meeting, not sharing an opinion, not showing up, not contributing. I, You know, my daughter came home from school the other day saying there was this new kid at school and he was really arrogant and he looks like he could be a really good kid but he was you know had to be the best at everything and I was explaining to her that that might be how he do he does stress yeah I'm at a new school and just because you think it it's doesn't make sense to you let's not write him off because that could be the way he does stress Um, and so once you are, once you know how it shows up for you, I think I'm not sure if I said on last podcast for me, victim, whinge, 2021, the year of resentment for me, you know, um, resenting this, resenting that that's how it shows up for me. So know what it is, identify it, catch it. And then we have to go, I've got to turn this stress response off 
before I have any chance of, you know, doing something I'm passionate about, living my purpose. Um, Everything else, yeah. Everything else. Let's turn this stress response off. Um, When you're talking about as well, these like the little things, Mm -hmm. the little things that we can do to break the stress cycle. Yeah. I've found now one thing that I've gotten better at completely and not just the, the mindfulness type things, but like I've it discovered golf. Yeah. And like I joke about that because like, you know, people are like, you play golf, you love it. I'm so bad at golf. I'm so, so bad. But one thing I've known for me now and the reason I love it is it's the only time for like two or three hours while I'm playing, sometimes five, depending on how bad it is, I am looking at trees. I don't have my phone on me. And when you're like, as bad as I am focusing on like a ball and what you need to do with it and thinking about a shot, I literally do not think about anything for yeah. like four hours. You can't be in two places. I can't be once. in two places. But I think it's important to recognise golf for my mother, my 75, I don't know, she's going to get cross if I don't get a number yeah. right, but golf is the biggest stress trigger ever because yeah. she still wants to be a pennant golfer and she's so attached to the outcome <laughs> and she knows her score and what she needs to get and what that woman got. And it's like... I think one day I said to her, okay, you need to let go of the outcome. Well, I just can't, Emma. Golf to me, that is what golf is about. And so it's like whilst it's great for you, it's a stress trigger for someone else. You know, about that mindfulness, I worked um, with a winter Olympian. Now, I I tend to, if if an athlete has talked to me publicly, I'll say their name, but um, they haven't. So I work with a winter Olympian and – you know, normally when I work with an athlete, they respond really quickly, but this was not getting the response that I would normally get. And I felt a real failure. I thought, I actually thought, God, I'm shit at my job. Like, maybe I've lost what I can do. And um, and then COVID hit, so we sort of, you know, it just naturally fell away. And I've been following them. They're killing it. You know, they're in medal contention. I sent them and their coach a message saying, loving what you're doing it's awesome and the the coach sent back a message saying we can't thank you enough for the work you did it was amazing it really turned their life around and I'm like what and I was honest I said oh I didn't feel like that and what they went on to say to me was that when COVID hit this athlete who was really resistant to this work and a lot of people are resistant to this work because it's like what do you mean I look out a window and that makes me feel better they're stuck in a hotel for, um, for, for hotel quarantine, not in a great space mentally. And the coach said, why don't we just go back to what Emma told us? Why don't for a week we're just fully, like, if we're going to scroll on social media, that's what we're doing. We're paying attention to that and that only. But then we give ourselves a break mm. and now we pay attention to this. And then when we're doing that, we're fully invested in that and we're not in this big mess of, stress and stories of this is bad and everything else and after seven days they were like wow I feel completely different now it's the little things and that's my message today that finding little things out mindfulness might not be your go but it might be every time I walk the dog I just stop and let the dog you know do what the dog's doing and I just take some breaths Great. If that's your thing, that is your thing. I'm really big on try a few different things, work out what works for you and go for it. I love it. And I don't, I don't, I hate using like these because you're so authentic and you're 
just like making it so relatable to people. I don't like using these um, things sometimes, but like habit stacking is something that. Oh no! Yeah, is having, that like yeah with you know I, you you spoke about it last time, mm. and that was one thing that I was like I didn't really understand much about. I spoke to Mark Matthews about it, who was mm-hmm. like you know a big wave surfer. And then that was when it like clicked for me. Yeah, probably. Uh, probably. He explained it. No, no, no. It was just like sometimes you hear something so many yeah, times, yeah. like oh, whatever, 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 and then you're like, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So now, when I can get you know consistent at these things, habit stacking, and you'd be better to explain it. But I do when I have my coffee in the morning. That's when I go. All right, now let's be present. Feel my feet on the ground. Yeah. So it's like every time I eat my coffee, I be present. Yeah, Every that's time right. I walk my dog, I leave my phone at home. So yes. they're like my two things that I can just like stick with. But if you'd like to explain the actual... Well, I think you've done a great yeah. job of explaining that we already have habits in our life, mm. cleaning our teeth, you know, having a coffee. Um, we, when you sit down and look at your life, there's a lot of habits that you do every single day. And to just bring in a new habit is very difficult. So if someone said to you, um, Dill, why don't you go an hour and a half a day with no phone? You would try for a few days and it's like, I can't do this. But because you already have the habit of taking the dog and you stack on top of that the habit of not taking your phone when you take your dog, it's easy because you already have an ingrained habit going there and you're just piggybacking onto it. So some people do when I'm um, cleaning my teeth, that's when I I go through three things I'm grateful for. Um, You know, the coffee, that's when I get encouraged people to have a coffee either in a courtyard, on a balcony, Mm. sitting by a window. That's when you – but we don't. We have a coffee and we're scrolling or we're looking at our emails. So now a coffee, which could be a really great way to break the stress that has already built up from the snooze button and the – you know, maybe you went to get something and it was in the dirty washing basket, all these little mini stresses. Then I have my coffee. That can be a great stress cycle – time to break the stress cycle – But we are scrolling, looking at our emails and freaking out further. So stack a habit onto it of I give myself that time to be mindful. I I really – I get nervous using that word mindful because I think we lose people. I think so so, because as soon as – even me sometimes, when you're not ready to hear it, you just go, oh, I can't do that right now. Yeah, yeah. I try not to say it. So just think of mindful when I say – so let's – stack the habit on that's when I'm mindful that is when I am just giving my attention a job so my attention cannot be on the stuff that is creating the stress Mm -hmm. so a job like what do my feet feel like what does my breath feel like what can I see out the window gives you five minutes two minutes one minute where you're not paying attention to um, the stories that are stressing you do you think with this space, right, we're talking about this now, like drinking coffee, going for walks, and the first time we had this chat, we're talking a lot about athletes, and mm. so many of my teammates and ex-teammates messaged me, been like, oh my God, I need to work with Emma, mm. I need to, need to learn all these things, but then now it's turned into just everyday people, everyday people just want this nearly more than athletes want it, like, have you found that's been changed, or has it always been prevalent in that, in that aspect? I am really worried about people right now like we are disengaged and and disengagement is not because we're lazy or we don't care it's because we are just so burnt out that we can't engage anymore and we are yeah disengaged burnt out stressed and people are like I need a tool I maybe I don't need I'm not mentally ill I don't need 
you know, perhaps medication. Some people do, yep. and that's very real. And I don't need a whole lot of therapy and pill, but I am not thriving in my day. Most people are not thriving at all. I, mean, I, I didn't thrive a lot of last year. Did you? No. It, well, they, they, we use sometimes analogy with a company that I do a bit of work with, with mental, um, with mental, it's like thriving, coping and dominating. I think it is thriving, coping, dominating. And like you're on a continuum basically. Yeah. So it's like you can move from that in a day, yeah. but you just don't want to be in, you want to be in thriving or coping. Like coping is not a bad place to be. No. And, and it's like, um, you know, <sighs> sorry, it was struggling, coping, yeah, thriving. I, was yeah, sort you of, now, you yeah, I knew from, you were trying to talk about yeah. a spectrum. It's first one from not year, very good and to I'm really like, good. I just don't know what I'm saying. But do you find that in burnout? Like I was starting to get words wrong. I was starting to um, like just not be very clear in my, in my mind. And because I do what I do, I knew it. And I would joke to people, oh, I'm so stuck in when I, then I. But I sort of thought, no, but that's okay because when January comes, I will really yeah, get over this. Um, and I think so many people are in February going, fuck, what are, like now what? So we need to talk more realistically and about things that are doable. I'm like we really do because we set ourselves up to fail like – we talk about these grand uh, – so one of my things over January is, was I was going to read a book from my yogi master. I actually said to my yoga teacher this morning, I actually, it's insulting that I come to you because I'm that bad and you are a yogi master. But he gave me this book from like this – it's this massive book, this spiritual leader – and it's about um, the stuff that we're talking about today, but right back from many years ago. And one of the first pages I read was he was talking about how as humans we intellectualise everything. Like we think about why and we think about all of these and, and why that needs to happen and, and what it means and what does it mean to us. And so we have all these thoughts. Many people today are far more articulate about mindfulness or authenticity or vulnerability. They can talk these words, but we never actually go, well, now let me try it. Now let me actually get very practical about it um, and see how it feels and not get so hung up on, well, Emma Murray meditates in that chair, so I've got to do it like that. Yours can be standing on the beach, walking the dog, sitting in your car, but actually try it, see how it feels and work out for yourself what breaks your stress. But this year we actually have to start doing things differently. What, what, what would you, like, I'm assuming now, like acknowledging that, breaking that stress cycle, knowing where you're at at that in February now and me being the same, I'm sure 90% of, or I don't want to put it in, a lot of people would be in the same position as we are now. What would you say for yourself are your goals then for the rest of the year? Like what do you want to achieve and how do you want it to be? Like do you want to, is it to stay present? Is it to just yeah. keep hustling but just to know that you're going to be stressed or? So because I have learnt a lot in this space over January when I went, I've really buggered this up and I was sick with COVID, I spent a lot of time thinking not what I want my goals to be this year and not what I want to do this year, but I actually spent a lot of time thinking about why am I doing what I'm doing? Like, why am I doing this? It's a Commonwealth Games year. You know, I've, I'm in contact with a few different sports and athletes. Why am I doing this was a big question. Now, you know, this is what I'm talking about. Out there, there's 
formulas and online courses about finding out your why and knowing your purpose. I didn't go through anything like that. I just sort of really sat there and went, why, like, what am I trying to get out of this? You know, I've got some premierships, I've got this, what am I trying to get out of it? And what I came away with was, for me this year, I want to really have a voice around what we're talking about, that we need to make it real for people. And we need people to start owning their stuff in a way that we learn from each other. Like me saying, I stuffed up from November to January. Now I've got to dig myself out of this hole and I'm doing it by putting my feet on the floor before each virtual meeting. I'm doing it before managing my I'm doing it by managing my diary differently and blocking out time so the more we speak about this and more more we be open about this so what knowing that why does is it means when opportunities come to me I now have a greater direction to go well hang on my why is this Mm. so do I need to take that on where I've been living in a state of oh yeah I'll work with you you're cool that'd be fun now to protect myself and manage these stress cycles it's like, well, why am I doing this? And does that fit in with that why? Mm. And I, that didn't require a therapist and a this and that. Like, I just thought about it for a while. It's like the analogy of just saying yes to everything. Yeah. Which I agree with in a, like, I've done that probably for the last to four years. I've got. Yeah, I probably yeah, did yeah. that for the last four years. Yeah. yeah. You have to go through that stage. But now it's like what you're saying. And I suppose I'm trying to get better at too. And it's not so much with work. It's actually in social situations because I feel like that's, what drains me the most yeah. is um, is saying yes to too many things on weekends and events and that's when I get to the stage where I'm just like fuck now I'm cooked like I found socially yeah. is actually the biggest drainer on me than work well that's because fear of other people's opinions is bigger than your fear of Dylan friends not fa- of failing mm. your fear of people thinking here's what's going on for you you think people will think uh, I'm because of Dylan Friend's success, I'm now too big to go to that event or go to that dinner or do this. So I have to say yes to all that because you're a very humble person and you don't want people to think you've got ahead of yourself. And now it's bearing you. It has been, well, I, I, I wouldn't, they were your words, maybe, not mine. Hope. <laughs> I don't even know. So that you probably. You probably are right in some situations, but like I don't, I'm definitely not too big to go to these events, but it is a factor that I go, fuck, it's just too much. No, I'm not saying you are too big to them, but that's that's like. No, but that's already, doesn't that just already show the anxiety of what I'm thinking? Yeah. You're you're 100% right. That is exactly what I'm thinking and why it is. Like I go, fuck, I have to do this because I don't want people to think I'm an idiot. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, Fear of other people's opinions. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. And Um, that's killing us. Killing us. And that's why when I lived in Sydney and I harp on it all the time. I literally had like four friends. I didn't do anything. Like I literally did nothing on the weekend besides what I wanted to do. Yeah. And life was so simple. And I know there's a lot of those bad, and I hate even bringing up COVID, but that's why actually I feel like I was going really well in COVID because I was, not oh. not the one when I was locked inside, but the one where we could sort yeah. of have the boundaries. Yeah, so yeah, like, oh, you yeah. can't have anyone over. I was like, darn it. Like, yes, oh, I can't, absolutely. I can't do anything. Absolutely. But, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a difficult one to break. And, you know, if we find that hard... I'm doing a lot of work with students at the moment. Oh, our poor students yeah. are really, really struggling. Because that's something you're doing a lot with. I saw you doing some stuff with um, Dave Asprey the other day. Yeah. What, what's happening there? That really looks really interesting. Yeah, so we have an online schools program that a lot of the schools are putting in place for their senior school students. Yeah. And it's um, basically giving them a toolbox of how to manage their mindset 
on those busy weeks in exams, but for life. Like, oh, I had the most amazing experience out at Forest Hill College yep. and they have, you know, kids from a very diverse backgrounds. They have a lot of um, – they have a deaf program there and their stories, you know, they need these skills for – for their work and for their life situations more than they even need it for their exams. And so Dave and I have been going out and doing some live stuff so that when they get on the online program that Mm. it makes sense for them. But our students, they're in a situation where their whole world is social media. Their whole world is this messaging that I need to do this. People will think this if I don't and what will they think if I do this? And they are, they're struggling. I can imagine like the... you always think like these days, knowing what we know, growing up as a kid now, I look at like social media, TikTok, trying to break into an economy as well that's been really struggling. Like, you know, there's not a lot of jobs. Well, in hospitality, I know there's a lot of jobs going on, but besides that, like career paths, it's quite hard to get to where yeah. you want to be. And yeah. I hate when like the, um, you know, older generation are saying kids, these kids are, uh, uh, hard to, to deal with, but it's like, well, no, they actually just know like probably where they want to go a little bit more than... Yeah, I, th- I think sometimes we are not fair enough on these students. Like even when I was out, I, I spoke to a lot of schools on their first day back mm. and these kids, some of them, you know, they're so slouched in their chair that they could nearly be on the floor. You know, some have got their eyes closed. It's, ter- it's so hard when you're a presenter and you're looking... I was like that. ...at that and I have to keep having empathy. But the reality is that... For them to sit in a room with Dave and I for an hour and a half, they've been on a virtual, they've been on a computer for two and a half years. And in an hour and a half on an online virtual thing, they would have had four snacks, gone to the toilet, scrolled through social media, had a sleep. And now they have to learn again how to be in a classroom, how to build social connections with people face to face, how to respect a teacher, how to listen. And we just sort of say, oh, they're not engaged and they don't do this and they don't do that. We need to – we've created a very busy, screwed-up world that they're existing mm. in. We need to take some responsibility. Hey, um, moving to a bit more of just a path of, of working with athletes. Yeah, again, yeah. Because it's something that, like, is so interesting and it's something that I've wondered since, like, we chatted last time. Obviously, the athletes you work with, as you said before, if they approach you and you've talked publicly about, you know, what you work with them, you're, you're allowed to speak with them. There's other ones that get in touch with you. I'm more wondering, like, how does it work? Like, do you ever hit up athletes that you really <coughs> want to work with? Like, have you ever gone to someone, hey, I really want to work with you, like, I think I can help you in a way, or do you wait for them to reach out? Is it by ref- – a lot of it, I'm assuming, is referral. Yeah. Um, I, I quite often see stories in media and I think – I want to help that person. Yeah. Like the Will Pekoski story, I remember I took a photo of the article and went, yeah, yeah I could help you. Um, Kate Campbell, right since the last Olympics, um, well, the previous ones um, before Beijing, what, what, Tokyo. Tokyo, Tokyo yeah. yeah. The one before that where she blew up, right back then I was like, I can help her. Um, but I don't go and approach them. Like yeah. imagine if you were an athlete – Imagine someone hitting you up. Hey, I can really help you. Like you would go, you're so not helping me. Um, Especially with athletes as well. You want it to be their yeah, yeah. initiative yeah. to do it. So I just sort of put it out there and, and you know, Will Pekoski's dad reached out to me. Um, and because I follow them in the media, if they reach out, I'm like, yeah, I know who you are and I, I want to work with that. 
um, like Jack Rewalt went to Scott McLaughlin and said after Scott McLaughlin blew up, oh, you should really work with, with Emma. Um, I'm trying to think how Kate Campbell got on to me, but those sort of yeah. – it, it just sort of goes like that. Morgan Mitchell got on to me because um, I think one of the AFL players were trying to hit on her okay. and they sort of okay. said – Hey, you should see Emma. I can get you in contact with Emma. Yeah, okay. I don't think they got what they wanted out of yeah, it, but I yeah, got a great yeah. client. <laughs> good, good. Um, yeah, so just like that. Yeah, right. Um, we were talking about a funny story off air before about Scott McLaughlin. Yeah. Now, last time we had the podcast, we were speaking about hypnotherapy. Hypnotherapy. Yeah. I, re- I remember you asked me about hypnotherapy. Yes. And so hypnotherapy in terms of like, <clears throat> hypnotherapy and you're changing like not so, not the one with you know you do go to bucks parties and whatnot it's the it's well the, it's a similar concept okay. in that hypnotherapy is basically going into your subconscious mind and putting suggestions in there so at the bucks party they're putting suggestions in there that you're a stripper or you're a you know quack every time someone says a letter five mm. a number five or whatever it is i wouldn't know no you wouldn't yeah. no um so I loved you said you'd been hypnotised once but you just zonked out. Most people, you feel like you've been zonked out yep. but you probably don't know half the Maybe. stuff you did when you were hypnotised. But I don't do deep hypnotherapy. It's very much a cross between meditation and it's just me going into the subconscious mind to remove blocks and put in suggestions and then the subconscious mind takes them as real and they act on them. They act on them. And when you asked me about it, I thought, oh, should I tell you about Scott McLaughlin? But I'm like, oh, no. But now Scott, since then, has gone on to win another championship in V8, gone on to win Rookie of the Year in IndyCar, so I feel that I can share it with you. Scott had a terrible start. So what Scott's story was, when he was like 16, he was in his first V8 supercar and his very first race, he stalled on the start line and the entire field ended up up his bum. And so from that, he was very hesitant on the start line. That's how our subconscious mind works. It's like, no, that's bad, that's dangerous. You don't want that to happen again, so be really cautious on the start line. And so... His start wasn't great, but we just sort of left it be because there was a lot of other stuff to work with um, in terms of his best execution in his race. And he was nailing all of that and he was leading the championship and everything else. And we thought, okay, we're going to work on these um, starts. Now, with hypnotherapy, it's crazy, but sometimes the suggestions you put into their mind, I then hear the commentator saying, picking up, well, they can see it in the athlete. So I might put in a picture in Scott's mind of like he's like a drag racer off the start line, he can't see anything else. And then the commentator were like, wow, Scott McLaughlin start is like, you know, a drag racer. So they dragged them off the line. And so it was going great. And, um, and it was the Melbourne Grand Prix and it was the main race. And Scott is like him and Will Pekoski are two of the most competitive people I know. And so Scott, any race is very competitive. So we had started this little visualisation, which is really a bit of a hypnotherapy, a hypno before he went out to his race. And I would do it right there in the pits just before he got in the car. And I, rem- I, rem- I can see it clearly in my mind. We're sitting in this nearest truck. We do this sort of three-minute thing. And so what I am saying to him is that, like, 
it's like you've got blinkers on. You can't see anything around you. You can only see the track in front of you. And, you know, what's in front of you, you dial that up. You can see it really clearly. You don't notice anyone else. The start goes, blah, blah, blah. And so then his subconscious mind just follows that and it keeps him really laser focused on what he does and his talent takes over. But I was using language like you can't see any other cars. Everything to the side of you is blocked out. But I forgot to say once you're on the start line. And so Scott gets in his car to drive to the start line and he literally turns a car straight into a car next to him and writes the car off and writes the other guy's car off and can't compete in the race. And as soon as it happens, it's like, I did not say once you get to the start line. Oh, my God. So as soon as he's got in the car, blinkers on, I don't see anything, and I drive into a car. Scott, it was so out of the blue for Scott that Scott thought it must have been the other guy's fault. They nearly have a punch on in the in the pits. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, I think I fucked this up. How long ago was this? This was the Grand Prix in like 2018. Oh, my God. Um, I fessed up to Scott yeah. eventually, but... <laughs> I sat there going, like, he didn't race. And another guy didn't race. And they got on a punch on, nearly got on a punch on in the pits. All because I got the wording wrong. So I've never done that again. But that's how powerful it can be. Yeah. That's fat. That's so, like, I'm going to go back up and try and find the vision of this if there's any. Yeah, yeah. yeah you've got to watch it. Like, what car, what V8 supercars ride each other off before the, the race season starts in, like, oh, the warm up lap? It's unbelievable. Everyone that we speak to that loves you and, and needs to uh, wants to know this question all the time is always one of the most asked. And it's a hard one. We touched on it last time too, but your top three athletes you'd want to work with at the moment. Oh, I want to work want with? Want to work with. Like they can be on a world stage, like anywhere. Who would you like look at and go, yeah, I'd be keen to work with you? I don't look at a specific athlete. Um, I always wanted to work in F1 and Oscar yep. Piastri is going into F1. So Superstar. That is, um, I, I feel like, okay, well, that's ticked off. Um, every time, every year I watch the tennis, I think, like, I look at some of the situations that happen in the tennis and these tennis players would respond really well to this work yeah. because it's their subconscious mind that gags. Look at um, Medvedev, like, I know. recently. And I feel so bad for him. Like, I do, in, like... You can get so heated, but if he had someone that I was know. with him... I know. It's like you are just sabotaging yourself. Like so someone like that would be amazing because I get the biggest kick out of seeing athletes perform to the best of their ability. Mm. Like most athletes we're watching are not performing to their best of their ability. And you look at someone like Ash Barty, she's got her shit together. You know, she's done a lot of work um, on who she is and why she's there and all of that stuff. And that's amazing. But you look at Medvedev and he just has a subconscious mind that just is really, he cannot regulate his emotions. Mm. And so he would respond really well to this fast, sharp, like, you know, here's a tool, do this visualization that has you in that moment reacting differently so you know someone i like the ones that have either had a massive blow up kate campbell will pokowski scott mclaughlin all are similar because it's in those times that we've had massive failure that our subconscious mind goes 
this I can't do this anymore. Well, even like on a world stage now, like look at someone like Ben oh, Simmons. You know what? I would work with him in a heartbeat. He like actually he would, he's he yeah. There you go. I would I would work with him. Yeah. Um, after that, like how uh, what like you know that he's been put through and how that whole who knows what the even story is. There's three sides, you know. There's yeah, yeah. the truth, but like that, I feel like. He is on a mission now to like come back and do something. Imagine if he had like. So why I would like to work with him is because he's on a mission to come back and do something amazing. But his subconscious mind, when you have been blamed for losing, mm. you know, this game and people are booing you and this and that, it is very, very hard for your Ugh. subconscious mind not to go, "This is bad. This is dangerous. Let's get out of here." Like you, that's you can't just tell someone, "Don't worry about what the crowd think." It doesn't work like that. So working with someone in that situation that'd be awesome do you yeah. know him like yeah i don't yeah but we will definitely we will contacts um <laughs> on that as well i know we're harping on this but like sport is it more enjoyable sports or is it more the the situation because before you said about you know you think afl is a pinnacle in australia everyone thinks that it is but realistically like you said before the olympics is a one in four year event that's like you have to perform there's events that are like so much more high stake than actual yeah. playing a game of footy. For my work, I really like the high stakes work um, because that is when your subconscious mind is so on on the edge. Mm. In football, you know, if it's not going right, you can sort of say, well, it's his fault or it's because of that or it's because of this. So it's – whereas Scott McLaughlin or Oscar Piastri, they can put their car into the wall and – game over so there's a lot more stakes on the line and that's why i really like that work at the subconscious level that is like we need to get you where your focus is able to no matter how dangerous how scary stay in the pocket i cannot tell you and you can get her on as a guest to talk about it the pressure and expectation of kate campbell in that olympic trials when the olympics were cancelled she was on point. She was ready to go. Yeah. She was like firing. 12 months later, she's public about the mental health she'd struggle with. What she didn't tell anyone was four weeks out from the Olympics, she's running to, and I can say it now because she said it publicly in an interview with me the other day. She hadn't told anyone pre or post Olympics. Four weeks out of the Olympics, she's running to her car on a wet, you know, Queensland can have those downpours. Mm. She slips on the driveway. And she literally breaks her ass. Like she breaks the her sacral. Oh, sacral. Yeah, the sacral. Yeah. So, and she's oh, got a kick. Shit. She's like a 100-meter runner. She's like the, you know, the sprinter. Yeah. And that's four weeks out from the Olympics. And so that's she – Yeah. And I – we – we um, criticise these athletes and we don't know half their story. You know, we, we know – what we see on the television and we criticise them, but they're not out there making excuses. You know, she didn't tell anyone about that. And that pressure for her going into the Olympic trials, I've never seen an athlete under so much pressure in their life. Like that was superhuman what she did. Huge. Unbelievable. The sky's the limit for for you. Um, And I I don't, I'm not saying this in a way. I know you think I try and schmooze you up all the time, but we just believe so much in what you do and oh, we love everything and, and the audience does too. Um, I know we said no goals before, but what is there anything else that you're looking at achieving this year, adding to your business, adding to working with anyone else that you can give us insight to? Like, is there anything that, that's in the works? I really, after last year, um, I'm really determined 
to try and get better emotional regulation around my um, workload. Mm. So that sounds like you're supposed to be teaching this stuff and you're saying that's your goal. I ju- it just took too much of a toll, the stress cycles that I sat in for too long. And so I want to try and this year still achieve – because like you, when you're building a bu- – I've ha- had to have massive acceptance that – I don't think you can build a business without being ridiculously busy and ridiculously stressed. And people say, well, don't do that. It's like, well, that's why some businesses succeed and other people don't because you're prepared to keep going when you are tired and stressed, just like you do. I want to really challenge myself to get better emotional regulation and control around that to make me a better teacher Mm. Um, because I feel, as I have said to you multiple times, we need to become really loud about this message that this world is not slowing down anytime soon. Your bills are not disappearing. Your, and if there is a magical way that someone has worked out to, you know, slow down and cherry pick their passion and everything like that and make it work, I, I will be all in. But for the most of us, we have to get through every day with greater regulation, greater control, more management of our stress cycles in small little ways or else what are we here for? Mm. We, don't, we don't want to get to whatever age and it's like, well, that was just a grind. Um, so I want to do what I do with less grind. I want to be at the Commonwealth Games. There's a few things there. Um, I think. I don't know, Dil. Mm. You asked me this last time and I was like, oh, I don't know. And a year later I've got, you, you know, got the whole on. business. So yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah. yeah, well, I'm excited for whatever ben it is. Ben Simmons. Like, can you, you're going to get me Ben Simmons I'll get and ben I'm going to be working with Ben Simmons. I'm calling him after this. I'm going to call him up. I'm going to tell you my goals too because I feel like if I tell you oh, mine, yes. then okay, thank it's you. on record. Mine is, from what we've said today, and it's been a common thread but it's been affirmed today, is I'm going to continue to work like – as hard as I can and hustle and grind. I'm, that's not stopping because yeah. as you said before, yeah. if you're going to do something, you got, you've got to be stressed and you've yeah. got to enjoy yeah. it and it's going to be hard work. There's going to be shit days. It's going to be good days. to tell ourselves a different story exactly. around that grind. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But in saying that, I'm going to get better at identifying when it's at the tipping point and having those stress uh, regulators. Oh, I like that. You, Look at you. That then I can implement. Yes. To bring myself back. That's right. Okay. That's yeah. number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, and this is something that I still, it, it goes into that, is like it broke my heart the other day. Like my, I was at my, like with my mum and I was getting married and I've got this, you yeah, know, like my family, I'm everyone there. Yeah. And it was a week, a long thing and I was still just thinking about shit I had to do. I was like, oh, I've got to organise this. And like mum was having a conversation with me. She goes, Dylan, Dylan, she goes, you're not here. Like, and I yeah. was just like, oh, fuck. You know, I nearly cried. I think and I was like, I've got to get better at that. Okay, so I'm going to give you a word mm. for this year. Mm. And your word is acceptance. Mm. And so you have to, and I think we all do, have to have acceptance that, you know, I'm always going to have something I need to do. I'm going to have acceptance that I'm never going to get to the end of my to-do list because what's happening for you is you've got these things to do. They're triggering the stress cycle and you think the only way to turn that stress cycle off is actually to tick them off your to-do list. Mm. But then something else comes on. (laughs) And so it's like I'm never getting to the end of it. So rather than 
trying to jump over into those stresses and control them and shift them and change them and, and find solutions for them, we have to accept that there is always going to be something to do. There's always going to be something that's making me feel like I have to do more. But I, right now, he, right here, right now, the most important thing for me to do is to be present with my mum. Yeah. That's it. And those things, I have to have acceptance that it's normal to feel edgy about them, have acceptance that it's okay to worry about them, but acceptance that I can't do anything about them right now, but what I can do is I can be right here with my mum. Love it. Love you. Oh, love Thank you, you too. Thank I'm going to so love much. you even more when you no, get me Ben Simmons. No, I know. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to do that. Um, we have a big, we have a, a big sleuth. They're very good at coming together as a community and just right. tagging the absolute hell out of people. <laughs> I did it this week. Like poor Daniel Ricardo, Nick Kyrgios, uh, Ash Barty, um, and Marcus Stoinis. They have copped an absolute barrage from the Dylan Friends community. Just like. It's, they're going to block me soon So we'll get that to Ben Simmons For you um, But no, in all seriousness Thank you so much I want thank to keep you, you um, Involved as much as I can yeah. With everything we yeah, do Yeah, I think, Dill You know, a lot of students listen to you They need your help um, They really do I want to say when you say You need my help I am learning with them To be honest I don't think that so we So what yeah, I mean by they yeah. need your help They need you to bring them content That's going to that. help yeah, them Yeah, cool Exactly right. And that's yeah. the thing that I want to be clear is I don't – I know as much as everyone. It's the amazing people. Just on this as well, yeah. I, had a re- I had a really good realisation yesterday. Someone oh. was interviewing me. Yeah. And they said, what do you do weekly to um, – what do you do weekly to for yourself? And I was like, oh, you know, if I work, I do my same spiel that I always do because yeah, you just say, yeah, so yeah. Like, you know, if I'm fitness, I feel better mentally. Um, then at work, I'm less stressed and I have yeah. more time with a family. Yeah. And then, like, yeah, but do you do something else, like, religiously? And I was like, oh, fuck, I've got Emma coming in tomorrow. Like, I've got to get something ready. <laughs> and I was like, you know what I actually do? Once a week, I sit down with an incredible guest. Yeah. And I chat. Cool. For an hour and a half with no phones. Yeah. And I'm completely in the conversation. Yeah. yeah and I'm yeah. learning new things. Yeah. And I was like, that is the best thing for me ever yeah like i'm literally just talking about something like learning from someone yeah. once a week yeah it's unbelievable yeah no, like it's great i didn't realize like that i was actually doing it like that's what i'm doing in the show and I, anyone in a podcast so i would say like anyone that's listening you are by listening to another person's conversation not just this podcast anyone's conversation that's good for you you're doing the same thing yeah like, that's actually yeah, good for you absolutely yeah. I know we have to wrap this podcast no, up no we don't but it's no, a learning um, moment for the people in the audience you, you've said it a couple of times this podcast this story of when I'm fit then I'm better at work then I turn up to my mm. family and friends more stories like that actually create a lot of stress cycle because you're setting yourself up to fail because if I can't effectively you're telling your subconscious mind if I don't do my fitness I can't be good at work and I certainly can't then be good with my Mm. family and friends where it's really it's like I don't need to do my fitness to be present and show up well to my friends and family I can do that because I choose to do that but the story you have is so big that if you if that fitness goes missing and it might go missing because of COVID, you might break your foot rolling down the, you know, rolling your ankle down the stairs. Then it's what? Like every part of my life falls apart. So it's accept, again, that word acceptance, your word for the year. Mm. Acceptance that I might not be able to do my um, fitness, 
but I'm really good at my job and I know how to be clear at my job and I know how to shop with my parent uh, with my family and I trust that when the time opens up then the fitness will come so now I'm out of that stress cycle because the stress cycle that you're creating around that story I have to do fitness to do that and that puts you in a stress cycle that when it, your mind and your body is like you don't have time to do the fitness yeah because you've got to do this, this and this because I'm so hypervigilant about all these other threats. So you're just – you're making it hard for yourself. You're, I love when you call me out on things. You know that. You're the master and I am so good at believing my own bullshit that that is like – No, it, that's no, not tr- bullshit. No, that's, what, that's what we do. Yeah. We create these stories when I then ask. I know. You're in a trap of – But we were just when talking I, about it and I didn't even realise that I was doing it. Then I'll do that. And when I do that, then I'll do that. Yeah, it's more probably for me – in the language saying like when i'm at my best i have a good mix of these yep. things yes that's right why when i then i'll is so dangerous yeah from november to january what i missed was that great conversation with my kid because mm. i'm stuck in oh when i get to january then yeah. i'll connect with my kids i miss that sun on my face oh because when i get to january i'll lie in the sun and that mm. will feel amazing I missed, you know, really reading that good book. Oh, no, I won't pick that up tonight because when I get to January, then I'll read that book I love. And so I just missed a whole chunk of great stuff that is there in everyone's world every single day. It's there. The sun's there or feel the wind on my face, the the phone call with your mum, the hug with your kid, the hug with your, your dog, your pet, your cat. All of those moments are there. But we're chasing the bigger moment that's going to come when we get that holiday to Hawaii or that January off or the, you know, I'm sure we're all sitting already when I get to Easter, then I'll start the When I earn this much. When I earn this much. When I renovate my house. How many people have renovated the house because that was going to make everything amazing. And now I'm still addicted to my phone. I still drink too much beer each night. I still hate the shape of my body and I'm still not present with my kids. Do you know what's really funny? We, um, I... I don't know we meant to end this 40 minutes ago, but I've still got so much more to talk about. I was having a meeting with my account the other day, just before, you know, start of the year, you go like, this is, what you, this is your goals, this is what you need to do. And the same thing, I was like, oh, I just need to do this. And by no means, like, uh, is anything flourishing? But I was like, we need to do this. And he goes, oh, you know what people say, don't you? They're like, there's this, apparently this study, okay, there's no quotes this at all, so I could completely be making this up. But he said from $50,000, people yeah. earn $50,000 to $100 million, all they want to do is say they'll be happy when they double their money. So someone who earns 50, they say, I'll be happy when I've got 100. Someone yeah. who's got 100 grand, they say, I'll be happy when I've got 200. Yeah. Someone who's got 200 grand, so it goes up to people with 100 million say, I'll be, I'll be good when I've got 200 yeah. million. So it's like always just wanting that little, right. you just always want that more. Yeah, yeah. You know, oh, we're going to have to have a third podcast. Yeah, I'm just going to open this topic for our next podcast. Happiness is the gap between reality and expectation. So we have this expectation of our life. You know, I'll be happy when I have $100 million. I've got this, I've got that. And then the reality is the reality. The gap between the two determines our happiness. Now, let me just finish with this example. You've got some executive and he's in his mansion in Turak and he's got five Porsches and we all look at him going, wow, like how good's his life? 
But his expectation of his life was that I would be married and I'd have kids and I'd have time with my kids. And so he looks around at his situation and he holds it up against his expectation and he goes, I'm so far from that. That's how unhappy I am. But then there's someone who's in their little, you know, house and they've got a telly on the wall and, you know, they can provide food for the family each day. And their expectation in life was that I would put a roof over my family and I would put food on the table each day for my family. They check in. They're like, yeah, tick. We're looking at them going, Mm. oh, God. But they are like, I'm happy. And if you are right now... If last year, not happy, this year, we don't have to chase more. We have to check in, well, what expectation am I putting on? What do I expect this year to be so that I'm not setting myself up so that my reality is wildly different from my expectation? And you asked me about what athletes. If I just started going, I'm going to work with Medvedev, Mm. Ben Simmons and, you know, Chicago Bulls, then I'm setting myself up to just constantly be unhappy where the reality is, worked with that athlete, no one knew them, no one knew I worked with them. Gee, they brought their best and that makes me really happy because that was my expectation. So I want everyone to just check in on what they're expecting from this year and are they setting themselves up for the reality, for it to be unachievable and drop into that unhappiness. Drop the mic on that yeah, one. That was we'll uh, mic dropper. Thank you so much again, Emma. It's uh, it's been yeah, it's been not just an honour and pleasure, but very helpful today. So I cannot thank you enough for coming in. Part three is going to be knocking down the door, demanding <laughs> another rep um, in the middle of the year. I'm nervous. What if I don't make the top ten? My kids aren't going to. Oh, it's, well, at the moment you're coming first. I know. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, you're going really well. I'll tell them that. Um, now I can't yeah. wait to can't wait to uh, just stay involved and and keep tracking and, and following everything you're doing because yeah. it's 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 seriously what, what's your huge. word for the year deal acceptance love it love it thank you thank you if that wasn't enough for you and you want even more you're in luck dylan friends is now on patreon dylan best friends if you'd like to learn more you can head to patreon.com forward slash dylan friends or you can head to the link in the show notes thanks for listening to the dylan friends podcast if you like the show it'd be a massive help if you could like follow rate leave a review or even share with your friends The show is produced by myself and Sam Bonza. Damon Jackman from Creative Edge Films is responsible for audio and visual production. The show is recorded at the Dylan Friends Studio in Melbourne, Australia. If you'd like to get in touch or suggest a guest or advertise with the Dylan Friends podcast, please email us at inquiries at dylanfriends.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.